in for a fight and we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job and we get goals good Looking good, we are Carlisle United Carlisle United, the team that's on the ball Carlisle United, the team for one and all You're looking good and we're with you all the way You'll hear us singing every time you Bring me sunshine. Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, a podcast focusing on the trials and tribulations of Kai United Football Club. From Sean McGinty to Jordan Musto and George Thompson to Jeff Twentyman, we've got it covered. This is episode 16 and today we're going to be reviewing the thrilling weekend draw at Grimsby and looking ahead to the midweek fixture against the nearest club to us via road gone to Google Maps at 70 miles and it is shorter than Barrow which is 85 there will also be the usual general news roundup, although there's not really much to report, and a look at what X-Blues have been getting up to. For this episode, I'm joined by Mike Booth. Mike, how's it going? Yeah, it's going good, obviously. You know, a little bit flat uh, compared to the last time we spoke, but, you know, we're still unbeaten, aren't we? So it's it's not too bad. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Do you know what connects those four players in the, uh, the intro there? Um, I haven't got a clue. Is it... Uh, it's no. quite an obvious one today, really. You know, they've all played for Carlisle and Morecambe. Is it Manchester United? Oh, okay. No, no. Carlisle and Morecambe, they've all played for. Okay. Um, so, obviously, Sean McGinty, uh, we, we all remember him and his, uh, I think, the shortest ever appearance for Carlisle United of about 90 seconds, something <laughs> like that. Um, interesting, McGinty, he's only 27. You think he's still playing for Greenwich Mawson now? He's had 13 clubs in his career. He's actually had, I think, 16 different spells, but I think a few of them have been clubs at the same time. But he's had 13 different clubs. It's astonishing, isn't it? It's not quite yeah. Trevor Benjamin uh, territory, but you know. Um, no, I mean, I remember when he played for us, our fans, because our defence wasn't that good at the time, and our fans was basically like, a, you know, appealing for him to get some game time. But he, uh, it seems we, were, we weren't missing out on much, were we? No, no he's dross by all accounts. Um, so obviously, Jeff Twenty, when everyone knows, obviously the man who, when he was sold to Liverpool, effectively paid for the new main stand. Um George Thompson was a goalkeeper in the late 50s, early 60s. He made uh, just over 200 appearances for the club, just before Alan Ross arrived, really, was when he was uh, Carlisle's main keeper. Um, and Jordan Musto, so you remember Jordan Musto, had a loan spell for us uh, from um, Wigan, wasn't it, I think? Uh, decent little player, wasn't he? He was a tidy little player. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, I mean, looking at his career here, since he left us. So he had a spell at Morecambe. He played five games at Morecambe. He only played 14 for us. His only league, uh, sorry, career goal so far is for us. <laughs> for, in fact, oh. I, can't, I can't even remember who he scored against. But um, obviously he was at Wigan and they had loan spells at um, Barnet, Morecambe, Carlisle, Berry, Wickham. I actually had two spells at Morecambe, to be fair. I uh, if, if I remember rightly, is he a really short arse? Is he like really well, no, short? He's, he's five foot eleven. So he, oh, is he? He's, okay. uh, a bit taller than you think. But um, we had a few left backs around that time, and uh, like on loan, and I, I wonder, sort of blend into one. I wonder if you're mistaken him for Danny Redmond, who also came on loan from Wigan, um, who was a short ass. He was only no, like five be. foot seven, I think. Mm. Um, but obviously after he, he left Wigan, he, he had a short spell at uh, Accrington Stanley, but then he's taken quite a tour since then. He's um, so he he started the first club after leaving. Accrington is uh, Westerlo, which is in Belgium. Oh. Um, I have a funny feeling that Francois Soko might have played for them as well. Not 100%, but he had 46 games there. He then ended up at SJK, 
which is actually, oh God, I'll try and pronounce this. Sinajuan Jalkapalakolohikahero. <laughs> I don't think I got that right. Um, who were in the Finnish league. He then went to Dynamo Bucharest and had a free game spell there. Now, I'm not sure if Dynamo Bucharest has sort of dropped down the leagues or anything in, in Romania, but I was remember them being quite a big club back in the day. Yeah. He's now playing for Al Nazir in Oman, in the Oman okay. Professional League. So, bit of a bit of an interesting career, really, since he's left us, isn't it? It's uh, mm. not the normal one, but um, but yeah. So that's why I picked those four. Basically, uh, I try. I always try and, if I can, link it to the club we're previewing the game against. But something. Yeah, that's, well, that's I, quite I, I tough. know you normally do, but when you said it, I, I didn't have a clue that any of them had played for Morecambe. So there you go. Well, with Thompson in 20 minutes, obviously back in the old non-league, yeah. before even the conference existed days, so not quite as well known. Um, but yeah, the rest... Yeah, some, some, sometimes I'm able to find players at Lincoln and the names alliterate, but not always. Anyway, I think that's enough of the, the general chat, isn't it, Mike? We rambled on a little bit there, mm-hmm. so let's get straight <laughs> back to business. Not really any news to report as such today. I think me and Dan are going to go through some of the stuff that Nigel Clemens and David Holzer have been saying on the club website. Uh, we're going to do that later this week. Um, so let's talk about the FA Cup first round. Obviously, me and Dan sort of did a preview of the uh, fourth qualifying round at the weekend. And uh, delighted to say, two clubs local to us, Mike, have got through to the first round for the first time in a long time, haven't they? Yeah, you know, it'd be nice well, for us to get them. Um, I think as well, you know, obviously Marine and Skelmersdale you're referring to. Um, yeah. It'd be nice if we got one of them because I feel if, if it was away from home, it'd probably be televised because they're quite low-ranked teams. Yeah, it, it's still not very clear, is it, as to what the situation is with fans in terms of are fans going to be allowed to go to some of these games or not? It, it, it's a strange one, isn't it? Um, mm. Looking at the actual the, the numbers for the draw... I was thinking to myself, well, there's not been any replays, but I remember, of course, there isn't replays this season, is there? I think that I'm not sure if that's mm. the case with the first round, but in the qualifying, it was straight to penalties, basically, wasn't it? But yeah, looking at some of the teams we could face, Darlington, it'd be nice to play them again for the first time in a while. Skelmersdale, um, South Shields would have been a belting game, I think, if if fans had been allowed. Uh, Hartlepool, mm. obviously, for all time's sake. FC United, Manchester. Uh, AFC fouled. We've still not played them in a competitive game. Marine, as you'd mentioned. I mean, there's not a, not a lot of point naming all these teams, to be honest, because we're just going to get like Plymouth away or, or something like that, aren't we? As, as me and Dan said on last week's preview show for the uh, Grimsby game, absolutely nailed on. We will be the last ball out, as we are in every mm. single draw that seems to happen uh, at the moment. But um, but we'll be watching the uh, the draw this evening, hoping we get one of those games. I think another one we didn't mention there, Charlie, would have been a cracking game as well if mm. fans were allowed. But as it is, it's not going to happen. I don't think we're going to... Well, that or we'll just end up with the really interesting one of Cray Valley, but um, Cray Valley Paper Mill, sorry, to give them their full title, terrific name. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully get an interesting draw there, but it's one of those ones, do you, are you really that fussed this season about getting through to the third round? Because fans are probably not going to be allowed, even if we did get Liverpool and Man United away. But, it well, that's the thing. Well, it? it's, it's, it's not the financial incentive that it normally is, is it? I mean... Mm. You know, that Liverpool game in the League Cup uh, made us so much money a few years yeah. ago. And, you know, obviously there is prize money from the FA Cup, but it's it's like a five-figure sum. It's not... It's reduced this season as well. It used to be quite decent. I think it's slightly reduced due to the lack of money coming in. Because the money comes in the sense of when you play an FA Cup game, I think 45% of the money from the tickets is kept by the home team, 45% by the away team. And I think it's ten percent goes to the FA, which goes into the basically mm. the prize pot for the competition. So um, obviously this season, <laughs> that's 
down dramatically, to put it bluntly. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works. But, I mean, at, at, at the same time, I mean, you know, if we could get to the third or even fourth round, could fans be allowed back in by then, maybe, in some capacity? We'll Who have knows? to wait and see, won't we? It'd be mm. nice if there were. Also, we've not really had anything yet in terms of what's happening with streaming for these games. Obviously, league fixtures, it's fine, but the FA Cup, there's still a bit of... I know in some of the qualifying games I've seen, I think one of our local teams, Prescott Cables, were away at Darlington. I think there was a stream on for their game, possibly. Now, I don't know what's going to happen once you get to the the, prop, the, ra- the proper competition after the qualifying rounds, but yeah, hope, hopefully we'll have a bit more clarity about that this week is uh, what we're, we're praying for. Um, okay, and that's pretty much covered that in terms of news and that sort of stuff, so let's get on to the uh, Gims- yeah, Gimsby, Grimsby game review. So yeah, Mike, unbeaten run now stretches to five games, but safe to say this one will not stay long in the memory, with the exception of the terrific, let me have this one, McKeown goal. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. McKeown goal? Yeah. Yeah? No? Yeah. Okay, we'll move on for that. Um, Ian Holloway actually himself said it's the worst game he's ever seen. It wasn't a classic, but I don't think I would even put it in my top ten worst Carlisle games. I think there was chances there, but... Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a great match. At the end of the day, I can think of the worst game we went to together a few years ago. It was worse than this, and that's that game against Barnet that we always... Uh, no, God, yeah. We got in uh, 15 minutes late, and quite frankly, it wasn't. could have been 90 minutes late, and I would have been more happy. Yeah. It was that bad. Yeah, one of those games, after you feel a little bit deflated, but then you, you take a look at it, and in the context of things, it's our best start to a season in what, since the 2007-2008 season? So, you know, with a bit of context there, maybe you think to yourself, mm. you know, it's not actually that bad a result. What do you think? Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, what pains me is it seems like Ian Holloway had us absolutely sussed. I mean, you know, a couple of people have said Coyote was a bit off the boil, which I'm not going to disagree with, but Coyote's good at sort of playing with his back to goal and feeding in sort of other strikers, sort of, you know, back making runs in behind and they just dug a very deep defensive line and there was no sort of space for anyone to be running in behind there was no and if teams are digging deep it's sometimes nice to maybe have a central midfielder that can hit hit it from 20 30 yards but we we don't have that and they was just sort of sitting deep and letting us kind of just run the ball into into nowhere really yeah i think it's a fair point um it's one of those games, the first games probably this season, where you look and you think, could have done with a bit of creativity in that midfield really to unpick the locks because we're, we're fairly functional in those areas and we rely on creativity from Toure and sort of out wide generally. But today, I think it's one of those games you almost think, was it worth maybe throwing Conor Malley on for half an hour and seeing what, if he could do anything with it? Mm. But I, th- I think I think as well, some of the players are looking pretty jaded. I mean, I'd, I'd rather see... Uh, Gavin Riley start at 100% and say Gimme Tory start at 80%. Well, let, let's bring that on then to the first point I've got down here. It's one of the main talking points of the game, uh, Mike. It's not actually the first one on the list I sent you, but it's second. So time for a change in attack. Um, we mentioned Coyote there. And I was, I want to say critical of him in his performance in the last couple of games. One thing I have thought about this when I was sort of doing a little bit of research for the, doing this today, we've got to Remember, he's still only 20 years old. He's mm. not like... At the moment, he's basically the main man in our attack. He is the effectively a target man, the focal point. And he's, he only turned 20 in back in May. You know, so he's, he, he doesn't turn 21 until the end of the season. 
Mm. So are we expecting maybe a little bit too much of him? And maybe is it time to top, take him out the firing line a little bit? Because I don't think he's really even been on the bench since he arrived, has he? He's generally, when he's been fit, he's started every game. Is it maybe time to give Riley a run up front there, maybe? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we've mentioned before that we have good depth in attack, so you can't really be affording to have an off day because there are other lads absolutely chomping at the bit to, to get a go, but Beach has to be the one to give them a go if, you know, other players aren't performing. Yeah, it's one of those things as well. I do wonder, me and Dan have touched on this before. I can't remember if we've touched on it with you, Mike, but are we becoming a little bit too reliant on Coyote's throne? Is that maybe the reason why we're keeping him on in games, thinking, you know, we can launch the ball into the box? Especially when we've got Luis Alessandro, who it's not quite as good as Coyote's throw, but it's not far off. You could use mm. him as well if you really needed to. It's one of those ones you think, are we just a little bit too reliant on him there? And is that the reason why he's staying on in games? But Coyote's a player as well. I mean, he scored a couple of goals where there's been set pieces and it's pinged off a couple of players in the box and he's just sort of got there, got on the end of it would, and Yeah, scored. would you want him in but, there? Exactly, you want him in the box for these throw-ins to, to, to be doing that, but he's not, is he? So, yeah, um, yeah. I, th- I think maybe we are a little bit over-reliant. I mean, you know, maybe once in a while have Coyote or someone and do a training ground thing and take it short and, you know, do something like that. I don't know, but it, it just seemed... We're not scoring off them. They, they, they look sort of threatening, but we're not really scoring off them. That's I think you've got it right in the sense that you said Grimsby had a sus, and I think they actually dealt pretty well with our long throws. I think the first side I've actually seen this season who look like they're a little bit switched on, and I think they also recognise the fact that they've got a keeper who's not the biggest keeper in the world, and mm. I think they protected him very well, actually, to be fair on them. Um, but yeah, I, I think maybe it is time for a change in attack. Especially the fact you've got all these games coming thick and fast. We've got what another starting with the the game against Morecambe. You've got something like is it four games in eleven days. Mm. You maybe need at least one of these games coming up, possibly Exeter, maybe not, maybe not tomorrow. Is to freshen it up up front a little bit, maybe, and give Coyote a rest, possibly. Mm. And we've mentioned potentially giving Torre a rest as well, but at the moment, I think he's our only real creative outlet. I think at times going forward so you've got to really be careful with that one hopefully Patrick yeah. will be back soon but it's it's, it's a difficult one isn't it uh, like like I say you'd rather have Torrey at 100% because the past couple of games he just hasn't totally seen seemed on it really yeah well I'd, I'd say at the weekend I think he was our best player possibly I think he was the only one who looked like he was going to create something and th- therein lies the problem you need another option there potentially mm. that he's, he's going to take a bit of the pressure off him because it's alright saying oh but you know he's going to pick up two or three men are going to start marking him but well, if no one else is going to do anything with the ball, it's pointless because mm. they are basically taking our only creative threat of the game potentially. Mm. Um, okay, well, well, you mentioned there about strength and depth there, Mike. So I'll, I'll move on to this one, changing the game. So do you think Beach is still struggling as a manager? It's one of these things that I think a lot of people say is the things that managers find, or coaches find the most difficult when they step to be a manager is working out when best to make a sub, when is the best time to not do it too early and not do it too late. Do you think Beach is maybe still finding his feet in terms of the right time to make subs? And additionally to that, is our bench actually strong enough at the moment with those two or three injuries we actually got in attack? Obviously, Abiro didn't feature on the bench at the weekend. He maybe will come in after having a couple of training sessions now uh, for tomorrow night's game. If he wasn't, if Abira wasn't ready, why wouldn't you not maybe take Lewis Bell as an extra attacking option? Because it, it was a bit of a defensive-looking bench at the weekend, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, 
there's a bit of me that feels that Beach is almost a little bit afraid to kind of make bold tactical changes. Um, and if they backfire, obviously it looks like an idiot. If they come off, then, you know, sometimes it's not always him that gets the praise. It'll be the sub that comes on that, that gets the praise. Um, but, yeah, so obviously he, he is still finding his feet, just just as the players are really. And uh, But hopefully he is learning. Yeah, it, it, it's a fair point that, I mean, when you look... You look back at his time in charge, to be honest, I'm struggling to remember a lot of the games last season anyway, because it sort of ended abruptly and you sort of they all sort of blend into one. It wasn't a great season. But thinking this season, I suppose he hasn't really had to change get the game as much, but the one time I can think when the game really changed was when he brought Gavin Riley on against Colchester. And he was fairly quicker to make that sub, I think, from memory. Mm. Um I might be wrong on that. But yeah, I think he's a little bit slow maybe sometimes to make those subs and you look at the weekend, and I know on the radio they were saying, well, what options does he have on the bench? We've only got Gavin Riley. He said, well, what's the point of having those people on the, <laughs> the bench then if they're not going to change mm. against? I accept with your Jack Armors and your Max Hunts, you only really want to use them if you really have to because of injuries or there's big problems at the back. Mm. Divine, similar-ish. Then I look at Charters and Mali. Well, it's one of those games where we're lumping it long where the wind was really holding up or taking it too far. It's one of those games you think, get the ball on the ground and play it a little bit, so why don't you give Charters or Mali a run? Mm. Maybe they're not doing enough in training, but then again, the question is, why have them on there? I think mm. I would have liked to have seen Lewis Bell maybe on the bench at the weekend, and maybe one of those games you just throw him on and give him his league debut and have a run at the end, but Chris Beach sees him in training every day, so we all know a lot better than us, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned Charters, because he, he was very good at youth level, and ever since like lockdown, he's really sort of... Uh, beefed up quite a bit since the oh, yeah. last season. I yeah. think I think a lot of young lads, they would have just spent the entire summer playing FIFA and eating crisps. But he's like really sort of worked hard, you know what I mean? And um which you know you really like to see. I remember a few years ago when um we had Kyle Dempsey and the first day of preseason, obviously he left us this preseason, but the first day of preseason they did the bleep test to see where everyone's fitness was at and Kyle Dempsey completed it. You know, it's uh, some players that they'll either sort of really knuckle down and crack on, or others they just don't really have what it takes. Here's my claim to fame, Mike. I have also beaten the bleep test back in the past, back in secondary school. Yeah, no, 100% 100 did I. Christ, I could barely beat level one now. But genuinely, (laughs) genuinely in school, I I beat the bleep test. So so up yours if you don't ring, I really did. Um, My brother will be sitting laughing listening to this because my brother is a very good runner, to be fair, and him. and he'll be listening, thinking, there's no chance you beat that. But Blaine, yes, I did beat the bleep test. So, so there you go. Um, speaking of beating, uh, hard to beat is the, the next one. Um, bit of a sloppy goal to concede. But bar that, we don't really look like we're giving away many chances at the moment, do we? We look... This is... We had a not entirely new defence. Obviously, Anderton arrived toward the end of last season. Hayden was already here. But your goalkeeper, your right-back and your other centre-back are completely new to the club. With that lack of pre-season, are we finally sort of seeing that defence moulding into a tightly knit unit now and showing the benefits of games together? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Farman seems to sort of be quite uh, assured and he's, he's he comes out for through balls and, and, and stuff. And I feel like the defence are quite uh, relaxed, sort of knowing yeah. that they've got He's that still a bit punchy, isn't he, on crosses, I think. I think I'd like to see him claim a couple more, maybe. Yeah. But, but then again, some keepers just do that, just get rid of the ball, get it as far away as you can. So. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Farman definitely... The way, first couple of games, I was a little bit, oh, 
is he actually not going to turn out to be as good a keeper as we hope for us? But actually, I think he's looked better and better. He's made some really smart saves towards the end of games, particularly mm. in the last uh, few matches. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's interesting that he's actually alternating the uh, two sub-keepers, isn't he, over the last couple of games? I think he's gone Dewhurst, Norman, Dewhurst, Norman. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that's try, about. Try, try, I think maybe trying to keep Sheffield United happy there, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, I think, I don't while know. keeping Norman happy at the same time. Yeah. But yeah, it's it, it's one of those ones, isn't it? With, with that lack of pre-season, there was a feeling of, oh, you know, it's, it's difficult to you know get the squad together and get them used to playing with each other. But now they, they really do look like they know each other's games and McDonald. The first few games we did say, "Oh God, we've maybe signed a bit of a dud here." But actually, mm. last few games when he gets the ball, yeah, a couple of them he shanks out of play, but he looks quite assured now. Actually, he's, he's playing the ball quite well. So, yeah, I, I, it's one of those things that when we talk about match previews for games right now, we're not saying, "Oh, I think Armour needs to get a run," or maybe Hunt needs a chance mm. in the back there. It picks itself mm. at the end of the day. There's no doubt in that right now, is there? No, not at all. No. Any other thoughts on the Grimsby game then? Or that no, up? not really. I think we've pretty much covered it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, like I say, it's concerning that Grimsby had us sussed by digging deep and I hope that other teams don't take heed of that. Otherwise, there's going to be some very long games yeah. ahead of us. Yeah, I think it's one of those games that we, we maybe need to work on a bit of variety beyond we, we yeah. are a fairly direct side that doesn't mean we just knock it along all the time but we're, we're quick and direct and we've got fast pacey players but we maybe need to be a bit more you know thoughtful intelligent in our play as well sometimes mm. okay Mike I think that pretty much sums up uh, part one for us doesn't it so uh, we'll take a little break now and we'll be back soon to discuss uh, the midweek game against Morecambe Okay, welcome back everyone. It's time for part two and that means time to look ahead to a game against the team we considered our nearest local rivals until this season, our friends down the M6, Morecambe. Okay, Mike, I, I love giving my interesting facts now. Uh, some <laughs> Not particularly interesting ones here, but uh, you know, they'll do. So this year is actually Morecambe Centenary Year. Um, they were formed on May 7th, 1920 in a meeting between local sporting enthusiasts that took place at the Westview Hotel on Morecambe Promenade joining the Lancashire Combination League later that year. I had a look on Google Maps on Street View, and I don't think that exists anymore. I think that's where some of the arcades are. I think it's the Oasis Arcade, around about that area. So it's not not a pub we've been in, unfortunately. That's quite sad. (laughs) So they spent most of their existence playing non-league football until they were promoted into the league with the playoffs in 2007, thanks to Danny Carlton's winning goal at Wembley. Remember that goal? Yeah, it was a good, I, I think we basically signed him because of that goal. Like, <laughs> I, that can be the only reason, surely, because he wasn't that great for us, was he? Bless him. Uh, hard, hard worker, Danny Carlton, wasn't he? You, you can't knock him for that, but in terms of quality. I, although I always look back at Danny Carlton and think to myself, I know Michael, Mark Bridge-Wilkinson will claim that goal because he, he scored it, but wouldn't it be nice to just give him that goal against Leeds? You know, I think that would have given his confidence a real boost, that. But, yeah, but at the same time, I mean, Prince I think Wilkinson t- did, did the hard work of like maxing yeah, two Leeds players. I know, you know? but but I, I I think I look at it again. I'm sure Carlton got a little touch in it. You know, when you watch it back, it looks like there's just a not massive, but enough. But it would have gone in anyway, whether he touched it. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I was in the Warwick 
uh, behind the goal for that goal, and I didn't think he got a touch at the time. But you know, <laughs> like, like you can make out what was going on in the, in the bedlam of that goal. Yeah. yeah. So their nickname is the Shrimps, but their mascot is Christy the Cat. Probably because a stuffed shrimp costume would be utterly horrific. I just, <laughs> just just imagine that in your head now, Mike. A big like stuffed shrimp in a in a Morecambe shirt. Yeah, although, well, it's slightly off topic, but one of the best mascots that I've ever seen in my life was Scarborough Away. They had they had a seagull, and obviously their sponsor was McCain's and the McCain Stadium and all the rest of it. And they had a girl that just carried around a big foam chip. <laughs> that was it. Wow. Um, yeah. I thought you were going to mention the Partick Thistle one. Well, yeah, I've seen that as well. That's terrifying. If, if anyone has not seen it, search for Partick Thistle mascot. It, it's equal parts amazing and equal parts baffling. It's basically just a giant explosion, isn't it? And yeah, it's, it's like hit... a three-year-old has drawn a picture of Lisa Simpson. Yeah. And it, yeah, yeah, it's just awful. Well, yeah, or a three-year-old has drawn yeah, the sun from Teletubbies <laughs> yeah. and said, there you go, that's a mascot. Put some legs on it. But it's brilliant at the same time because he got them so much PR and attention, didn't he? He was genius. Yeah. Okay, uh, and finally, that two-time heavyweight world champion, Tyson Fury, actually lives in Morecambe. And uh, he's actually invested quite heavily in sports facilities in the town. Particularly, uh, he purchased the land behind the Mizzoum Stadium uh, to set up like loads of sports facilities for to get young people into sport. Quite a good thing, really, isn't it, really? Uh, nice to see someone putting the money back in in that way. Yeah, I don't think he's a Morecambe fan, though, is he? I think he might be a Man City fan or something like that. He's a, I'm pretty yeah. sure he's from Manchester originally, anyway. Okay, so let's just get on to Morecambe themselves and the current Morecambe team, that is. So, uh, actually, that was another fact. I forgot to put this one in. Sorry, Mike. Um, did you know Morecambe have never been relegated in their entire history? I did not know that, no. No, it's true. Even in non-league, they were never relegated once. That's amazing. That is mad, that, isn't it? Yeah. Imagine how shit it's going to feel for their fans the first time they get relegated. <laughs> this is what it feels like. They'll be blown yeah. away. I mean, you know, we're more than familiar with the yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, so yeah, I think in pre-season, in the pre-season preview, Mike, uh, we expected them to do not too bad this season, didn't we? I think we thought it would be tough for them, but they probably had just about enough to keep themselves out of trouble, maybe, and particularly with the manager they've got in charge. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You look at their side on paper, and I feel like five years ago. That would be a very, very good team. Like, you know, there's a few players in there. I mean, like Stephen Hendry, he was very good for Hamilton and he got a big move to West Ham, didn't he? You know, there's him. Cole Stockton, you could say, five years ago was sort of, you know, that's when he was banging him in for Tranmere and got his move to Hearts. And, you know, there's other players as well. I mean, like Adam Phillips was really well thought of at Liverpool. I think he's on loan there. Yeah, I think there's like that. That Gibson lad as well as on loan from Newcastle is meant to be quite well thought of, I think, as well. Yeah, so, you know, they, they do have a good team, and I, th- I think, you know, um, but it, it, it's weird. You look at them this season, and the the most possession that they've had in a game all season was 49%, wow. and that was in that was in their game against Cambridge, which they lost 5-0. They got five beat 5-0. Nil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's but that's the nice. most possession that they've had all season. And they've been winning games on like 33%, 32% possession, which is actually quite concerning for us because we've been sort of dominating teams and not finishing them off. And if they're able to sort of counter against them sort of teams, it could well be a difficult game for us. Yeah, I mean, you look back at their results so far this season, I'll get on some of the other interesting bits in the moment, minute. They've been some decent sides. They've beaten Port Vale and they've beaten Cheltenham. 
Mm. You'd both both teams you'd expect to be right up there at the end of the season. Mm. Um, so you know that the, there've been no mugs, but what I would say is I think illness and injury have just started to catch up with them, and they're one of these teams where you look at us. We've got what we've had about six players out, but we're, we're fairly comfortable at the moment. You take six players out of their six key players out of their squad, yeah, and suddenly it starts to look thin. I think they only named six subs at the weekend against uh, Forest Green. And you know, and that's not one of those ones where oh, there's a young, there's no uh, youth player to have on the bench like Baron Harrogate have. I mean, they genuinely just didn't have the players available to them in mm. short notice. So, so yeah, okay. So head-to-head record, Mike. Um, bit of a weird one, this isn't it? In the in league fixtures we played against them, including the conference, the home teams never won a game in these matches. Wow, how mad's that, isn't it? Mm. We've we've never beat them at Brunton Park in the league, mm. and they've never beaten us. At, um, at, the Globe or the Christie Park. That's it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, They've only won cool. twice at Brunton Park. I think, remember one of them um, about five years ago was, if you remember that game that Jamie Devitt had and he basically, I think he got yeah. a standing ovation when he got subbed later on in the game. Mm. He was outstanding for them that day. Him and Sean Miller. Um, and obviously for us, we've had some pretty memorable wins at the Globe Arena, haven't we? And some great goals we've seen there. Yeah, um, I think Jack, Jason Jack's, Kennedy scored an over a kick there. Jason Kennedy over a kick, and I think Jack yeah. Salby scored a brilliant um, curling goal from outside the box. I think Jamie yeah, Devitt yeah. scored a free kick there, and Danny Granger's got a long range of it. So it's, you know, down there we we tend to score spectacular goals. Mm. For some reason, we just seem to struggle against them at Brunham Park. It's, mm. it's hard to explain, really, isn't it? Uh, mm. I think we might have beaten them once in the FA Cup at home, possibly. Not hundred percent on that. I know we've we've drawn against them in the FA Cup, and we've beaten them in the FA Cup. So I'm not 100%. Obviously, that would have been a replay, one of those games. But um not sure which way around it is. So, yeah, in terms of head-to-heads, we've played against them 22 times uh, in all competitions. Won seven, drawn 12, and lost three. Uh, in the league, it's four wins, eight draws, and two defeats. So that's how that stacks up. So Morecambe uh, this season, in the league, they're currently in 11th place after eight games with 13 points and a minus one goal difference. They're one point and four places behind United. Now, this is the in- an interesting one. This one should play into our hands, surely, if we wouldn't have a go at them. So far this season, they've conceded an average two goals a game exactly. 16 mm. goals in eight games. So, and I know obviously five of those came against... Um, uh, who were they? Cambridge. Cambridge, sorry. Yes, you're right, Cambridge. So, you know, one game for those five goals, but still shows that they're conceding goals freely, aren't they? So mm. really, we should be looking to get at least one against them, shouldn't we? Yeah, definitely. In their last six games, they've won three, drawn one and lost two, but actually, they haven't won in their last three league games. Um, they went out in the Carabao Cup, third round after a 7-0 loss to Newcastle United. Um, their manager's Derek Adams, who, a bit of a surprise when he took the job, wasn't it, a couple of years ago? Because his stock was fairly high, wasn't it, from how he'd done uh, north of the border and obviously at Plymouth. Quite surprising, really, that he went there, wasn't it? You'd, you'd have thought he maybe would have got himself a bigger job, having done well at mm-hmm. Ross County and, and Argyle. But he, he had fair play to him. He's done well there, hasn't he? You know, following on from Jim Bentley, who you know might look back and think that wasn't the best of moves for me to go to AFC Files oh, and drop down two divisions. Yeah. Now he's done a very sterling job on a low budget, um, and the early signs this season is actually he might have done enough to keep them out of bother for most of the season. Do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, th- there's certainly a lot more than two teams that I'd have down as worse, worse than that I mean, this season. South End, for I, example, I, I, just look a mess. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. But I, th- I think they've got to be down there with the lowest budgets in the division. Like, I'm, I'm fairly sure they have got the lowest budget. 
I'm, yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise you if they were, and that's just that's just a testament to how well how well they've done as a club, really, to keep themselves mm. in the league since they're coming. Because I I can't imagine there's been many times when there's been a team with a lower budget. Macclesfield maybe at a push. I'd imagine most mm. seasons they start with the lowest budget, and yet amazingly keep themselves in the league year after year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brought in some actually quite decent experience over the summer, didn't they? Uh, Kevin Miller from Bradford is one that I think we all looked at. Oh, that's a hell of a good sign for that. Them. Uh, you mentioned mm. Stephen Andrew previously, and Ben Pringle is a pretty good mm. midfielder. Um, that's after mm. they saw By Roach retire and Kevin Elson leave. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Pringle is another one as well. Like five years ago, I think he was tearing us to shreds for uh, Rotherham. I think. Yeah, I think he was at Preston, wasn't he? I think he went on loan to Rotherham, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, he, he was a he was a cracking little player um, a few years ago. So he, he's certainly sort of quite a creative uh, midfielder. So uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to 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 see how they, how they get on. Yeah, he was he was a, I think he was at Rotherham, like you said. Then he went to Preston from there. Didn't play that many games for Preston, and he had a spell at Gillingham. But he was he was a quality player when he was at Rotherham. Definitely couldn't couldn't disagree. With, uh, sorry, couldn't agree with you more there. Um, interesting, he's from the northeast. Ben Pringle, I didn't know that. I always thought he was from down that way, but he started out uh, at Newcastle Blue Star. Can't remember them. There you go. Yeah, um, ex Blues in their squad. Uh, there's three of them. So it's Nathaniel Knight, Percival, John O'Sullivan, and Cole Stockton. Not three names that really live in the memory as a uh, brilliant players for us, do they? I mean, John O'Sullivan did okay at the first, but sort of faded away quite badly, didn't he? I think. Uh, Carl Stockton had the cleanest shorts that I've ever seen a Carlisle player have yeah. Like after a full 90-minute game. He just didn't want to get stuck in, did he? Curl made out a big big fuss about signing him, didn't he? And he, he tried signing him that summer and then didn't work out for him at heart. So, he, you know, he was by all accounts on a decent wage as well and made mm. a real effort to bring him in. And oh, it made zero effect, didn't it, on terms <laughs> of making us a better squad. Mm. He, he, he was, I think he would get one goal, I think. He's mm. done I think he was sent off it, in a game as well. It's good that we, because we can slag him off, because he's probably not going to be playing on <laughs> tomorrow. So uh, yeah. it's it's fine. Yeah, exactly that, Mike. Why do you think I put that in there? <laughs> Starman this season, uh, from the reports I've read so far, despite the fact they've conceded so many goals, is uh, defender Sam Lavelle. I think they think quite highly of him, don't they? I think there's a few bigger clubs actually watching him. He's um, mm. he's a young Scottish defender. He uh, started out at Blackburn, had a spell at Bolton, but he's been at Morecambe now for three years. He's still only 24 years old. Um, I say he's Scottish. He's actually from Blackpool, but he's played for Scot- uh, Scotland youth sides. But yeah, he's one I think they think quite highly of and think could end up going to a bigger club at some point. When he'd be learning it all from a ninth personal right now, won't he, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, team news. For Carlisle, Callum Guy's still being monitored by looks of things. He didn't have as good a game. He still you know, got about in midfield, but his set pieces weren't quite as strong, were they? And mm. he, he did look like he was maybe just struggling a little bit mm. in the game to Grimsby. So you wonder whether, you know, it's one of those ones, if was this game, if we, if we can get ourselves a decent lead, you can maybe take him off and give Mali or Charters a little run out and see how they do in yeah. midfield, possibly. Obviously, we mentioned Abiro uh, previously. He didn't feature again at the weekend. You wonder if maybe he will come onto the bench. Obviously, mentioned the fact that we didn't really have many attacking options at the weekend. You'd maybe like to see him mm. involved, do you reckon, Mike? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, he'll just be earning his spot in the squad on the training ground, just like just like everyone else, Roni. And yeah. Um, sort of, yeah, we, de- we definitely need more attacking options on the bench. Yeah, obviously, that's it's down to Beach to decide who's working hard enough in training to to earn that spot because there's there's going to be players who are fit and raring to go and they're not even making the uh, match day squad. Yeah, uh, at the moment 
injury-wise, pretty much the same as it has been, isn't it? So Walker and Dickinson are out till the end of the year. Patrick still a little bit off by the looks of things, and uh, Josh Dixon again still a little bit off, building up his fitness. Mork and Tim News, where do you start with this? I, I do feel for them a bit when I was, for once, I've been able to actually find out, and despite the fact that their official website's not as well updated as a lot of others, they do still have all the team news on there. So you previously mentioned, Mike, that Cole Stockton and is not going to feature tomorrow. Uh, that's because he's self-isolating because he's come into contact with someone who has tested positive coronavirus, as has defender Harry Davis. So there's two key players out of your squad straight away. I think both of them probably would have mm. started the game, I imagine. So they're yeah, the players, I think. I think. So. Their physiotherapist, Simon, Har- ha- Simon Howarth. Simon Farnworth is also self-isolating for the same reason. Uh, the goal scorer at the weekend, AJ Leach-Smith, ex-Crew uh, Academy product, I think. He uh, scored, obviously I've mentioned he scored at the weekend. He's out for four weeks, though, with a hamstring injury. Also unavailable, Liam Gibson, the loney from Newcastle. He's got a hamstring injury. And I think it's probably going to come too soon for Alex Kenyon and Ryan Cooney as well. They only named six subs, as we mentioned before, against Forest Screen. So mm-hmm. they are very much down to the bare bones. Couldn't really pick a better time to play them, could you, really? Well, yeah, <laughs> not on paper, but, you know, there's the game a, isn't played on paper, There's is absolutely it? jinxing any chance of us getting a result now by yeah. saying that. But, but, yeah, it's one of those ones. You'd, a full strength Morecambe, I think, would give us a tough game. Morecambe with six players out, we should have enough to beat them. We really should. OK, Mike, then, uh, let's do the uh, traditional predictions for this game. What are you going to go for this time? Uh, I'm going to go for a very sort of boring and conservative 2-1 Carlo. OK, you're going to go for goals? I'm going to go... I'm gonna go for uh, Torre. He's gonna to get his first goal, and I'm gonna go for Gavin Riley as well. He'll oh, get his okay. first goal for us. Very good, very good. That's what we want to see. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be bold. I am gonna be bold and oh. say four nil. Ooh. I think those injuries will just catch up on Morecambe, and I think they'll find it pretty tough. And hopefully, we'll have a uh, Riley and a Biro to bring off the bench as well. Uh, so I'm gonna go for. Goals from John Mellish back on the score sheet again. I think I think he probably will start with Coyote, so I'm going to go Coyote, Gavin Riley, and then oh, let's go for Callum Guy as well. There you go. We, we have a ha- we have a habit when we go to games in that like we'll both do a scorecast bet, and one of us will get the score right, and the other one will get the goal scorers right. Oh, yeah. So That's if somebody good. wants to put a bet on based on that logic then you know you may well make a few quid exactly <laughs> okay mike then let's move on to xcufc updates so we've got a few here elliot Sorensen. there's a name we thought we wouldn't hear for a, for a while uh, he scored mm. his first senior goal for Elmer city and a 2-0 win over nec breda in holland it's interesting he managed to get a move to that i'm not quite sure i think it's dutch second division is there possibly Elmer city i'm not 100 percent mm. on that i'll have to double check that in a sec but Maybe a little bit of surprise he managed to get himself such a decent move, really, isn't it? Because he was absolute crap for us. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember last season a few fans were sort of saying that he should get a run in the team, and we were just saying like you were not at Scunthorpe. Like he just his movement off the ball was just abysmal. Like he he didn't touch. I think he played the first forty five minutes, didn't he? And then he got taken off for Ryan Loft, and he didn't touch the ball once in then forty five minutes. Well. Yeah. So it seemed, anyway, he may well have yeah, done, but I think, he, just, he just did not want it. I think there was real problems with his attitude by all accounts. And mm. actually, probably going on loan to somewhere abroad, where he's got away from the distraction in Newcastle, 
probably is helping him a little bit. And actually, I've just looked at the table there. They are second division side in Holland, but they're second place, just behind Cambuur. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, d- d- decent move for him. You know, I mean, hopefully the lad, because clearly the lad's got ability. He wouldn't have been bigged up so much if he didn't. He just maybe just needs to sort his attitude out and uh, work out what he wants to actually do as a career. Goals this weekend. A couple of goals for ex-Carlisle players. Paddy Madden and Charlie Wake, both on the score sheet for Fleetwood and Sunderland. Uh, for Madden, it was a 2-0 win over Gillingham. Um, for Wake, it was Sunderland's 3-1 defeat to Portsmouth at home. Also on the score sheet, but not in the right net, Jack Salby scored an own goal for Northampton in a 2-0 defeat to Charlton. So all the goals in League One for our ex-players this weekend, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and this one I just spotted this morning. I, I, I Basically, I've got, I've got Google alerts up, so I get updates and only mention of Carl United. And this one came up from um uh <laughs> i've just noticed my misspelling of his first name here mike have you seen that um, yeah <laughs> so yeah troy archibald henville has uh, started his coaching career at spurs in the uh, youth setup there and um, there's a really interesting article about it on the athletic obviously you've got to be a subscriber to read that but if you are a subscriber we'll post a link up on the uh, on the twitter page it's a really interesting read it's about young black coaches being able to get into the game uh, a bit more and what the spurs are doing to try and improve that um, really interesting that he's got into coaching. One of those players, isn't he, Troy? I suppose if, he, if his knees weren't so knackered, he, we, he never would have joined us, would he? No, exactly, yeah. I mean, he would have been, what, championship level at least? Minimum, I minimum. Reckon. I think he could have yeah. been a Premier League player. He had such yeah, a bit on the ball. And, yeah. But by all accounts, he didn't train, basically, because his knees were mm. very similar to what Ledley King has. And Ledley King actually features in that article as well, funny enough. Well, that's saying, well, for him to be retired in coaching now, I mean, he, I wouldn't have him down as old, old. He's probably about 33 or so, maybe. 30. Let me have a quick look and check that for you, uh, Mike. Troy Archibald Henville, 31. 31, there we go. That, that, so. That's pretty sad, really, isn't it? Because, like I said, yeah. a player of such ability, you'd, you'd have loved to have seen him. But it, it, it's good more. that he's, he's got the gig at Spurs, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he'll be quite happy. They're back in London as well. There was always a feeling that you, you wanted to be back there. Um, yeah, good luck to the lad. Um, decent player for us when he was fit. Uh, mm. sadly not as often as we'd hoped um, no. okay Mike I think that's it for this week except we've just got a little bit of breaking news as we just after we're recording here that a bit of transfer news Jamie Armstrong the uh, first year professional he's joined Kendall Town on loan until January he's an attacking midfielder he joins Charlie Birch Charlie Barnes and Liam Lightfoot there by all accounts the three young lads actually are doing quite well at Kendall uh, from what I've been reading um, there's a kind of expectation Kendall are sort of club out there that they don't get particularly big crowds. They don't have particularly big budgets. And because of their location, they struggle to attract players sometimes, don't they? Mm. So it's a difficult one for them. But actually, I'm just uh, I'm trying to load up the, their league here to see exactly where they actually are in the division this season. They're, they're in eighth place, so they're doing all right, kind of actually this year. They're normally down near the bottom. So after, what, seven games, eighth place, I'm sure they'd be quite happy with that. Um, as I said, by all accounts, the, the three lads who are already there are doing fairly well so far. Um, so hopefully... Jamie can go there and uh, help push them up the table and challenge up near the top where shock horror it's working to the top of the league so far eight games five wins three draws no losses what you mm. expect from Danny Granger don't you and the way he's uh, <laughs> done things there so, uh, mm. so yeah thanks again John uh, sorry John uh, Mike for joining me there. you'll know why I said John in a sec so thanks yeah. for joining Mike really appreciate it so we've got the John Coleman special that's coming up this week uh, I'm going to get that put together I had a really good chat with John last week about his new book some really interesting stuff come out of it, particularly how he came up with the goals for the book and how sometimes, you know, some of the players he picked, 
particular goals and you think well, that wasn't the best goal scored by him but there was reasoning behind it so it's really really interesting and worth a listen and find out whether he he had some doubts over one really big goal whether he should put it in or not and uh, he got told by his missus don't be an idiot put it in so, <laughs> so there you go um so yeah, if you've got any feed, uh, comments or feedback or there's anything you'd like to suggest we discuss, please send them in via Twitter to at Brunton Bugle or by email to bruntonbugle at gmail.com. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast via all good podcast apps, including Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Please do also give us a review. We really appreciate the excellent feedback we've had so far. Score, so Mike. Do we want to do the usual uh, world map update? See if there's any new yeah. ones. I'm out. Just a quick glance here. It does not look like there's anywhere new. Portuguese listeners are still tuning in. Thank you very much to those guys. Vietnam still up near the top. I mean, United Kingdom and USA are the two top ones, to be fair. If I go to the next page, there's nowhere new. Cyprus, we've got a repeat listener. Chile, Sweden. Still only one listener in Germany. That's very unusual, isn't it? <laughs> I wonder whereabouts in Germany they're listening in. Looks like it's in Munich. So Munchen. Maybe Thomas Muller's giving us a listen these days off, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Okay, Mike, I think that's enough. I'm rambling on now, talking absolute rot, aren't I? So, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Um, really, really do appreciate it. Um, keep listening. We'll be back later in the week with another episode of The Blues. Oh, 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 oh,